0: This is The Podlight, a podcast produced by San Jose Spotlight, San Jose's first nonprofit news organization dedicated to independent political and business reporting. I'm your host, Editor Nick Preciado. We're just days away from the November midterm elections, and multiple seats are up for grabs in San Jose and Santa Clara County. The main event is the race for San Jose Mayor, where County Supervisor Cindy Chavez and City Councilmember Matt Mahan are facing off after an expensive contest. Joining me today for a pre-election discussion is Terry Christensen, a Professor Emeritus of Political Science at San Jose State University and the host of Cree TV's Valley Politics. He's been observing, commenting on, and sometimes engaging in local campaigns since 1971. Welcome back to the show, Terry.
1: Thanks, Nick. So
0: let's get right into things with San Jose Mayor's race. Who do you predict will win uh, when it comes to Cindy Chavez or Matt Mahan?
1: Well, that's a tough one. I think it's going to be a very close race. I'd give the edge to Chavez, uh, at least right now, uh, for a couple of reasons. A very substantial range of endorsements, especially of organizations and other elected officials, way more than Mahan. And what those those bring with them, those endorsements, is a lot of volunteers. So just the Labour and Democratic Party endorsements would be thousands of volunteer shifts. So that's beyond the money. They're about equal in money. Uh, And it's a lot of money. I'm sure we'll talk further uh, about that. Mahan's done a good job, though, of getting his name out there and getting known and, and, and sharpening a contrast with Chavez. So Chavez is getting labeled by some people, at least, as sort of the incumbent at a time when people aren't very happy with the current conditions, especially around crime and homelessness, although she's done a lot on those issues. Uh, uh, Mahan campaigning as the outsider uh, doesn't bear as much responsibility. He's only been on the council a couple of years. Uh, He may not have achieved very much in those two years, but he can't be blamed for a whole lot either. So he's got the advantage of the outsider in a time when people are kind of unhappy with current conditions and incumbency. Chavez has the advantage of a wide range of support. She's certainly better known, uh, a well-known name in the in the valley, didn't have to build that up. So again, I'd give her the edge, but I do think it'll be close.
0: Mm, thank you for that, Terry. And you know, just to, just to clarify something, I wanted your opinion as well. Um, you mentioned that uh, Matt Mahan is an, as an outsider candidate. I think some would disagree with that, given that he's supported by Mayor Sam Liccardo, as well as money stemming from PACs and groups associated with Liccardo, as as well as some of you know, like what you would consider like the business. Interest lobby as well as the past mayors that kind of align with Licardo's interests. What do you say to that? In terms of you know somebody that might look at Mahan as not an outside candidate, given where his support is coming from.
1: Well, I'd say look at the rhetoric of his campaign. He's basically running against the status quo, and that's that includes Mayor Licardo. He's critical of city policy, so he's supported by Mayor Licardo, which has brought him uh, a lot of money uh, and other and other support as well but he's really running against the status quo. That includes uh, this mayor.
0: So looking at funding in the mayor's race now, that's topped eight million this entire cycle. That's uh, since last December. A significant portion of that is coming from special interest groups and political action committees, uh, more commonly known as PACs. Can you talk about the significance of this money and where it's coming from?
1: Yeah, a good half of that money is from political action committees. That's huge, $8 million. That (laughs) That breaks all records for past spending in in the in campaigns for mayor uh, there are some new players like the 49ers with hundreds of thousands of dollars going to support Chavez there are some traditional players like the realtors with hundreds of thousands of go- dollars going to support uh, um, mayhan uh, there's labor supporting uh, Chavez there's a little bit of a split in the business community and that's unusual. Um, not only are the 49ers as a business group supporting Chavez, but Carl Guardino, a very prominent business leader, has organized a political action committee to support Chavez, and other business leaders like Michael Mulcahy are supporting Chavez. The very traditional business, business groups like the those associated with the Chamber of Commerce uh, are supporting uh, Mulca- uh are supporting Mahan. So there's a little bit of a split there. That's unusual. But this amount of money, the total amount of money is very unusual. And it's, it's interesting to see how they're spending the money. Uh, They're not doing as much political mail as in the past. I've only got four mailers for the mayor's race in this, in this runoff in in November. And that's really unusual. We used to just get blitzed by mail. So less is getting spent on mail. I think much, much, much more, all this money is getting spent on Television and radio ads. Well, television and social media. I should say, radio is pretty dead as an advertising source. But television and social media, uh, and all over the place on the broadcast channels, on streaming channels. Uh, I saw ads for these candidates on on YouTube. Uh, So uh, lots of lots of other ways. A different kind of different kind of campaigning.
0: Terry, what else is different about this mayor's race when it comes to uh, past contests and how things have played out before?
1: Well, number 1 as we said is money. Number 2 is the business community's uh split to some extent and that's unusual. Uh it's also unusual that an incumbent mayor has endorsed, not only endorsed but is raising money for one of the candidates. Uh no incumbent past mayor has raised this kind of money uh for any uh for any candidate they've endorsed. Uh campaign tactics are a little bit different, more TV and social media than mail. I would also say the Mercury News is less influential than it's been in the past. Uh, and in fact, the Mercury News has even endorsed some labor-supported candidates for city council, and that's unusual. Um, but it's uh, still influential enough that Chavez supporters purchased a page-and-a-half cover for the newspaper last Sunday. Last time Chavez ran, 2006, the Mercury News was on a crusade against then-Mayor Ron Gonzalez, almost daily news and editorial pieces about it, and Chavez was tainted by that association. But the Mercury News, they've endorsed Mayhan this time around. Uh, but they certainly aren't as influential as they were uh, then. So a lot of it is the campaign shifting over, the campaign tactics shifting over to television, social media, uh, Facebook, and, and uh, Instagram, and all all sorts of other means of, of communication. So that's different and new, and we'll see how it all works. I would just add one other thing, uh, Vietnamese voters. Vietnamese voters have grown in significance over the past few elections. I think they'll be crucial Uh, in this one as well. So we'll be interested to see how they go.
0: Now, in addition to the uh, mayor's race, there's also a chance for the council to get three or four new members after next week. Uh, Five, actually, if you include Rosemary Kame, who won the race for District 1 outright during the June primary. I'm curious to know what this shakeup for the council means for the city and its residents, given that there's, you know, half, maybe less than half uh, that's going to be changing.
1: Well, it could be very significant. It could be. It depends on who wins these specific races. But we will have Asian representation again in Rosemary Kame, uh possibly a Vietnamese candidate if Bien Duong, uh wins in District Seven. Uh, there will be uh, could be as many as six Latinos, a majority on the council if if Chavez wins the mayor's race. There will be a significant labor majority on the council. Especially if Chavez wins, it could be eight labor representatives uh, if things go the right way for labor in all in all the races. And if that's the case, and Chavez wins, she's going to have a, a solid block of voters to carry out her policy goals. If Mayhan wins, if Mayhan wins, there still could be a, a labor friendly majority on the council, and that'll be make it difficult for him to carry out his goals. And finally, there could be eight women on the council. If all of the women candidates win, they won't. But if all of them win, including Chavez for mayor, there could be eight women on the council. So we're going to see a very different council. I think overall more likely to be a little more liberal, a little more labor friendly.
0: So let's get into some of these specific races now. I'd like to touch on the uh, downtown district three seat. Uh, That's a race between Omar Torres and Irene Smith. Who do you see winning that race, Terry?
1: Well, I think likely Omar Torres. Omar won 44% in the primary to Smith's 20%. Uh, I think he's likely to pick up uh, the rest. We we need to remember there are going to be a lot more voters uh, in November in all of these races, including the mayor's race. Uh, Overall in the city, there will be 80,000 people who didn't vote in the primary election, and there will be uh, thousands who didn't vote for uh, Chavez or Mahan in the mayor's race and. Hundreds who didn't vote for Smith or Torres in District 3. But Torres comes in with, with, a, with a significant lead and significant endorsements, including the Mercury News, Labor, Democratic Party, League of Conservation, Conservation Voters, pretty much all of the Democratic Party establishments. Uh, Smith is supported by the Business Chamber, and uh, is, is, she's run a strong campaign, I think, but she comes from a position, a, dis, a disadvantage, of uh, that smaller turnout for her in the primary. Also, a disadvantage for her is that the district uh, c- citizen voters in the district uh, are 36% Latino. Uh, that's uh, that's bigger than 32% white, 25% Asian, 5% black. So that gives ch- uh, gives uh, Torres another advantage. Um, they've pretty been matched evenly on money. Torres maybe with a little bit. Little bit more, I think he 's run a strong campaign, got a good chance of winning
0: now let 's move over to East San Jose. the district five seat uh, is up that 's between Nora Campos and Peter Ortiz. What do you see happening there
1: well that's a that's that's a that 's a contest of great interest I think um, that district is forty percent latino among citizen age uh, voters thirty seven percent Asian so that 's an important block that could go to either of the candidates you got two latino candidates. They both have strong roots in the Latino community. They need to reach out. They both need to reach out to that Asian voting community. That's mostly Vietnamese. um, And and win some of those folks over. Uh, Campos, I think, has the advantage of having been around a long time, name familiarity, uh, a bit of a financial advantage uh, over, over Ortiz, actually fairly significant financial advantage over Ortiz, but Ortiz has endorsements from the Mercury News, South Bay Labor Council, Democratic Party. I think he has. I think he's a little more tied to current activists in the district that could help him. Uh, Campos uh, has been uh, lower profile in the district for a while, but again, she's very well known. Her name is very well known. The family is very well known. Probably the advantage is hers, but I think this will be another close one.
0: Final question here, Terry. Looking at um, District 7, this is between incumbent Maya Esparza. She's defending her seat from challenger Bien Don, a San Jose fire captain. Does the challenger have a chance at unseating Esparza? I should also preface, too, this is a heavily uh, Vietnamese district, and I know you mentioned that the Vietnamese vote is going to play a very significant role here for this election.
1: Yeah, I think Beandron has, has has a chance. I mean it doesn't look that good if you look at the primary percentages. Esparza got forty seven point five percent. She only needed a couple more percentage points to win outright then. Uh Biandron got just under just under 29%, so he's got a ways to go. But the district is 49% Asian, and that's heavily Vietnamese. And so there's a real contest there between Latinos and Vietnamese. It's 34% uh Latino, by the way. This, this is citizen age voting population. So uh, <clears throat> uh, Maya Sparta has to reach out to that Vietnamese community and do well not only with their Latino base, but with the white voters in the district, and but pull in a lot of Vietnamese voters. She did that last time, getting getting elected in the first place. She beat a Vietnamese incumbent and she pulled Vietnamese votes and vo- Vietnamese support. So she's got a, she's got a a good chance and a at least a slight financial. Advantage endorsements by the Mercury News, South Bay Labor Council, Democratic Party; those are important in that district. Um, whereas um, uh, he's got a good Vietnamese base. He's got uh, enough uh, enough funding to run a run a contest, but he's really got to dominate that Vietnamese vote, turn it out. Uh, and I think it'll be tough, but possibly this is another close one.
0: I've been speaking with Terry Christensen, a professor emeritus of political science at San Jose State University and the host of Cree TV's Valley Politics. Don't go anywhere, we'll be right back. And when we return, we'll be speaking with Garrett Percival, another professor of political science at San Jose State. Terry, thank you so much for joining me.
1: You're welcome, Nick. Thank you.
0: Welcome back to our pre-election discussion. And I'm here with Garrett Percival, a professor and chair of the political science department at San Jose State University. He teaches courses in local politics, public policy, and California government. Welcome back to the show, Garrett. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for coming on. I think you're actually the guest that I've had on the most. I believe this is time number three now.
2: Wow, what an honor. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah thanks again.
0: So let's uh, let's talk about the sheriff's race first. Um, this is a race for Santa Clara County Sheriff. It's between retired Captain Kevin Jensen. Uh, he's running against former Palo Alto Police Chief Bob Johnson. Now, Sheriff Lori Smith, uh, who isn't seeking re-election, she actually just stepped down the other day amid an ongoing civil corruption trial. So I'm curious to know what impact does Smith stepping down have in the final days leading up to this election? And what do you make of both of the candidates?
2: As far as the, the question about what impact will her resignation have, it's really hard to tell. I think that most people who have been paying attention to this race know that there's been a lot of allegations around corruption and just sort of mismanagement within the sheriff's office over the last number of years. So the fact that she is no longer you know, sheriff, she's resigned, I. it's hard to think that that's going to have a big impact electorally in this race. So, and again, sheriff's race generally are races that don't get a lot of coverage, and a lot of voters don't pay that close of attention. So I, I don't see her resignation as really reshaping this race in any serious way. But I do think that this is going to be a close race. I mean, we have the two candidates, both are, are well-funded, although Jensen, Kevin Jensen has been able to raise some some additional money. But this is you know, essentially about reform and which which of these two candidates, two voters think are going to best be able to reform this, this agency moving ahead. Both come with a lot of experience in, in in law enforcement. Kevin Jensen is really arguing that, you know, he's worked within the sheriff's department in Santa Clara County for nearly three decades, knows that, you know, the insides and outs of the, of the organization. Whereas Bob Johnson, also in law enforcement, long career law enforcement, in different capacities, both here in the county and also in Los Angeles, is arguing that to really reform this institution, you need a fresh set of eyes coming from, completely outside the the organization.
0: Mm, thank you for clarifying that. But let's stick with another county race. Uh, there's also the Santa Clara County Board of Supervisors raced for the District 1 seat. That's uh, Supervisor Mike Wasserman. He's terming out uh, in the races between San Jose Councilmember Sylvia Arenas and Johnny Camus, a former council member. Who do you see winning there and what impact will that have on the board?
2: So these races, too, are really hard to predict uh, because, you know, there's not a lot of polling that comes out on these races. I think campaigns I'm sure have internal polling kind of gives them a sense. You're also not quite sure about turnout because turnout on, you know, sort of either side of, you know, in terms of support for these candidates can really change the the outcome, just a, a few thousand votes. So I think this is going to be, a, it's going to be a very close race. The other sort of unknown here is the effect that the redistricting process is going to have uh, in this contest because district sounding uh, Santa Clara County district one is redistricted. There's actually uh more voters in this district now that that live in San Jose than previously, so I think that probably favors uh, Sylvia Arenas, and she also won quite handily. Um, in the, well, I shouldn't say quite handily, but she you know she won the primary. But the, the other thing you want to to look at is uh, the you know who the other candidates who are on the ballot in the primary. So both both Rich Constantine and, and Claudia Rossi. Uh, most of those voters, my guess would be probably in the primary or in the general election, moving over to Arenas. Of course, you never know for sure. Uh, those two candidates alone received almost forty percent of the vote in the primary election. So I think there's going to be a lot of certainly competition for their supporters. At the same time, I think you know Camus, uh, his ideological profile, I think is a is a good fit for that district because it does encompass, you know, South County and Los Gatos and other areas that tend to be more moderate or a little bit more conservative. So his profile, as far as his candidacy, I think fits well with that district. He's also, you know, gained a lot of experience politically, run uh, several campaigns, was on the city council for t- for two terms and so has growing name recognitions, also run for the state senate before. So, I think this is going to be a really competitive race. I might I'd sort of give the edge to to Aranis in this race, but I would not be surprised if Canvas won either.
0: And Garrett, can you expand on the redistricting portion of this for a sec? Because I know that this really plays a role even in how Johnny Camus is in this race. He was drawn out of um, District 1 originally, and he had to move to actually stay in the race, whereas um, I believe it was uh, Mayor Rob Rennie in Los Gatos, he was also running, and when he was drawn out, he decided not to pursue uh, the contest still.
2: Right, right, and uh, it's probably the old district. If Cam has had his preference, my guess would be to just run in the the you know the district as it was, not the one it is it is going to be and it is it is now, um, and because it does, I think draw out some a fewer uh, conservative leaning voters in the in the new district than was before, which potentially makes it. Uh, more difficult for him. Although, you know, he's, you know, is he very much a, a, a centrist candidate sort of, you know, presents himself as a, as a business-oriented candidate, but who likes to, to, you know, to really look closely at government spending and try to check government spending. But, you know, we're not talking about any of these candidates, these big, you know, ideological differences that are mostly, you know, center uh, to leaning left candidates. And so I think that's important for for listeners to kind of keep in mind that these are not, you know, these big polarizing, uh, uh, battles that we're seeing at the national level, um, between, you know, in, in Congress, um, and other parts of our, of our politics. Mm-hmm. Well, let's move
0: on to the city races. Now, um, the big ticket item or the big ticket contest is the race for San Jose mayor. That's between Santa Clara County supervisor, Cindy Chavez and current San Jose council member, Matt Mahan. Who do you predict will win that race?
2: <laughs> yeah, right. That's a, that's a, it's a, it's, a, it's a great question. I'm, I'm sort of hesitant to right, to 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 make a prediction on on that race because I, I do think that it's going to be very close. I think this this race a lot of similarities to to 2014 where we had an open seat where you know, no incumbent on the ballot was decided by you know less than 3,000 votes when Sam Licardo won the election. Both candidates have you know quite a bit of money they're spending uh, and outside groups are spending uh, in the in the closing weeks can the, uh, the campaigns so we're not seeing you know a, a big asymmetry in spending in favoring one candidate chavez uh, made a lot of important inroads in the primary especially uh, in the west side of the city district one also parts of uh, willow Glen, Cambrian area where she ran strong the, you know, I think the outcome of this race is certainly going to t- be tied to, to turnout, particularly in the east side of the city. In low turnout elections, like we saw in the primary election, uh, labor candidates tend to do better. Labor's uh, and labor-backed candidates are great at getting out the vote. I think the question is: is that do they kind of hit their sort of their the, their maximum reach of voters in the primary, in the sense that uh, in the general election? next uh, next Tuesday uh, are we going to see a vastly different or at least uh, significantly different enough electorate that could tip the balance to mayhan um, I think there's a real possibility I think that this race is going to be decided um, you know by a, a few thousand votes I think mayhan definitely has a chance to win and I think for a lot of people that may be surprising given the results that we saw in the primary election.
0: Funding in the mayor's race has topped eight million this election cycle. Uh, A significant portion of that is coming from special interest groups and PACs. Can you talk about the significance of this money and its source? I know that compared to some other races happening in the state, like the LA mayor's race uh, with Rick Caruso, this money is really a drop in the bucket, but it, it seems like for San Jose and the greater Silicon Valley, this is quite a lot of money for a local election.
2: It is. But I think, though, it's important to remember this is a, a big city. I mean, we're we have, we're a city of a million people. Uh, you know, the election cost just like everything else keeps going up. You've got to pay for polling. You got to pay for for staff. Um, so you know, it's yeah, it's expensive to run a citywide race. So I don't honestly look so much at the overall spending. I think, although that's an important indicator. Uh, generally speaking what matters more as I was commenting a few minutes ago is or sort of, is there an asymmetry is there a big difference in spending between the candidates if there is that really can favor one candidate over the other of course the one with most money is is, is, is really advantaged in those kinds of situations what we have here is though uh, mayhan who you know has not been in office for very long had relatively low name recognition compared to someone like Uh, Supervisor Chavez has been able to raise money, but also get support from outside groups to uh, to basically be at parity with uh, with Supervisor Chavez. So I think that's been an important part, especially for someone like himself, who's coming from, um, you know, really for many people sort of out of nowhere, like only been on the council for for about two years.
0: What else uh, is different about this race besides funding? How, How does this compare to previous mayoral contests?
2: Well, as I mentioned earlier, I think it's very similar to what we saw in 2014 when you have an open seat. Although I think one interesting about this race is, and I also wanted to mention that, of course, we have Cindy Chavez, a female candidate. And we've, this city has a, a history, of course, of, of electing female mayors. And so I think that's a really you know, significant uh, point to make as well, is that that's added a, an, another, uh, I think, really interesting dynamic to this race. Uh, in the sense that, you know, I think afterwards we'll ask, depending on the results, uh, what kinds of things did uh, Chavez learn from her first run as mayor? Did she face any particular uh, unique challenges as being a female candidate? I think that's something that is uh, certainly we, we, we need to talk about and analyze and, and, and uh, also to, to sort of learn about uh, the, the, the process of campaigning uh, between uh, men, and, men and women in sort of what voters expect um, and stereotypes that get connected to to those kinds of contests. But I think that uh, you know, the, the comparison between 2014 is a good one. Uh, Supervisor Chavez, is, uh, I think, is an interesting point. Is almost setting herself up to be like an incumbent in the sense that she's emphasizing a lot of her expertise, a lot of her knowledge of both city and county government. The risk, of course, in doing that is if this turns out to be an election cycle that is really sort of you know anti-incumbent, she risks of getting uh, uh, swept out because of sort of anti-incumbent sentiment, even though, of course, she's not an incumbent in this position. So if it does turn out to be an election cycle where challengers, people outside of government running an outsider campaign are really advantage, I think uh, that could be a, a real turning point in, the, in this campaign.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting that you bring that up um, in terms of, I, th- I think, like you said, an incumbent, uh, maybe an establishment candidate would also be another way to phrase it, given that I think we've seen a lot of backlash from uh, or against establishment candidates since around 2016, if not maybe a little before.
2: Right. And, you know, this is, uh, you know, we saw it in 2016, of course, we don't want to make too many comparisons to between a mayor's race and a presidential race, but certainly someone like uh, Hillary Clinton ran a lot on her experience and her knowledge of government. And she had deep experience uh, in, in government. Uh, it doesn't always work out, though, that voters are looking for the most experienced candidate. Sometimes voters are just angry for any variety of reasons and just want something different. Um, and so I think the dynamics of a, of a race, a, a, of a campaign, are sometimes hard to predict because these last so long. Like when a candidate starts campaigning months before the election, a strategy might make sense. But by the time that the election becomes closer, the political climate has changed so much that that theme, that strategy no longer fits uh, the reality of, of the political climate.
0: In addition to the mayor, uh, there's a chance for the council to get about three or four new members after next week. Uh, That's also including Rosemary Kamei, who won her race for the District 1 uh, seat outright in the June primary. I'm curious to know, given that we're going to get a new mayor, a couple of these council seats are are going to be somebody new because the incumbent is terming out. What does this shakeup uh, for the council mean for the city and its residents?
2: Yeah, It's a great question. It's hard to answer, really. I mean, I think a lot of certain media coverage and understanding of of the city council is often divided between sort of business friendly versus labor, which is, you know, it can be useful sort of shorthand to understand. But the the council does so much more than than deal with those kinds of issues. I think certainly, uh, again, depending what happens in in, races like District 3, uh, District 7. I think, you know, if Irene Smith could somehow win that race, although I think that's unlikely, we haven't seen a candidate out of District 3 who gets second in the primary jump over the person who who's, uh, came in first in that race in, in some time. Um, but, you know, if you, if you did have someone like Smith win, um, you had a shift in, in power in District 7, uh, more towards, you know, sort of Business friendly type of uh, of politics. I think you know we probably see uh, a shift in terms of the the uh, approach to to housing and homelessness. I think really looking, particularly also if Mayhan wins, looking at the the uh, permitting process in the city, really trying to emphasize more. Uh, and quicker development. Uh, I think everyone agrees we need more housing. And we need lower housing costs. I think the real debate, of course, is how do you do that? And there's there's changes that you, you can make within the city administration to make that faster. So I think there's certainly be more emphasis on development, housing issues, and how do we, you know, the, the pace in which we uh, deal with the with the the, the housing and homelessness uh, challenges that we face in here in the city. Uh, the other thing too, I think, to look at would be, uh, you know, what what kind of reforms uh, are we going to get with policing? I know this is something that the San Jose a, a Charter Review Commission spent a lot of time on, uh, something that I served on, and there's a lot of work that went into rethinking policing. I haven't heard so much about this camp in this campaign about police reform. I heard a lot about adding more police and uh, trying to fight. Uh, crime with more police. But I think a lot of people in this community are really hungry for police reform, making it more accountable, particularly to communities of color. I think depending on the outcome of some of these races, we might see uh, a re-energized look at at policing and, and criminal justice reform uh, in the city.
0: I've been speaking with Garrett Percival, a professor and chair of the political science department at San Jose State University. Garrett, thank you so much for coming on the show again.
2: Great. Thanks for having me. That's it
0: for this episode of The Podlight, a podcast produced by San Jose Spotlight. I'm editor Nick Preciato.
1: Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.